Hello and welcome back to this week's edition of the Steadcast. Before we get started this week, I just wanted to jump in and explain that we were going to record this as one big podcast, but as we got cracking, we realized it was probably going to sound better as a part one and part two. So if there's a couple of moments where it doesn't quite sound like it flows, you'll understand why. And you can actually hear us make up our mind to do that mid-pod. So I hope that's not too disruptive, but let's be honest, you've not got anywhere else to be because you should all be inside whilst you listen to these two. So enjoy and thanks again. Hello and welcome back to the Steadcast. Now today we're going to be bringing you a special quarantined edition of the Steadcast, which means that normally when I have my co-host Kieran Clements sat right by my side and we each have nice posh microphones to speak into, today is only going to be myself with that glorious golden voice that you're going to be able to listen to because Kieran is currently plugged in on the phone. So say hello Kieran, you're a common guest now. (laughs) <laughs> hello sam how are we doing whereabouts <laughs> in the world are you right now this is our first one where we're not i'm not able to just look across the table at your lovely face i know how sad well specifically <laughs> right now i'm sat at my desk in a conservatory and i can see how lovely it is outside and know that i can't do anything with it so so uh it's just Ooh, yeah ouch it, it's just one of those kind of moments isn't it strange strange times for the world but we mustn't let said strange times get us down we must try and focus on positive things and do you know what i shared something on my social media my instagram specifically earlier saying that it, it's funny because in times like this it's really easy just to flap and get upset and give up on things and and your mental health i think is something that's going to really be tested in the forthcoming period that we've got with everything that's going on um Mm. and as we know sport can help with that massively so running is an obvious one that we talk about all the time oh 100 percent. i mean my approach to it is basically i've just been forced into a big training block i mean it's it's yeah it's the quarantine training block for me yeah exactly so you know and it doesn't have to be running if you've got any other sport that as long as it's not too kind of uh team sporty (laughs) yeah don't go don't don't, go and play like heavy contact rugby or something (laughs) yeah don't go in any big big like um scrums or things like that um but yeah so so whatever your sport is make sure that you still continue to do as much of that as you possibly can and it will keep you in check and the other thing that i was going to say is social media and stuff like podcasts and things like that these are going to be things Mm. that actually even though some people attribute social media to actually bringing down some people's mental health i think in times like this when we're physically not going to be able to go to the pub or go out and see people face to face as much we need to really value platforms like social media and use them in the right way so even though logistically it's complicated i think it's important that we really try and make the most of continuing a pod and continuing continuing where we can to just kind of bring up bring up some uplifting moments uh, in like we said these strange times mm, no 100 percent. i mean we have no excuse not to be churning out the pods because neither of us really have a huge amount to do i mean i'm really throwing myself into training now i'm back up well over 100 miles a week and banging out a good few good three sessions or so a week and good long runs and stuff so i've got that but other than that we've got no excuse not to be churning out the pods and i agree like we live in this age of you know technological advancement this technological era where we've got all of this access to be connected without actually physically being with each other and you're right we need to use this not as a negative thing but as a way to lift each other up during how, these hard times so, how uplifting we start to a podcast is that you could literally you could not get any more positive <laughs> vibes from that I, honestly i can practically see the peace crystals growing out of the table now that we've spoken with that much positive vibe 
<laughs> exactly. I'll tell you what else I've been doing as well. Well, it's not really something I've been doing. It's been quite a passive activity. But to keep myself entertained, and you're actually probably going to be a bit gutted that we're not here in person. I haven't told you this yet when we've been chatting for about 20 minutes before this. You've got a dog. But I'm... <laughs> No, I'm doing a quarantine beard or a training camp beard. I haven't really decided what I want to do with it yet. <laughs> but basically, we were so bored the other night that we decided, you know what? Let's see what I look like with a clean shaven face. So I'm currently sat here. I've got two days worth of stubble on my face and that's it. Like not even a mustache. Oh really. my goodness. Yeah. So we're going clean. What I'm going to do, and this brings it, circles us back around to social media again. I'm taking a picture every day. Yeah. And at the end of it all, I'm going to upload the montage to like Instagram or something like that. That's quality. Of my face just slowly growing back. <laughs> I have to just make sure I'm not wearing the same clothes I... every day because, you know, you don't need to get dressed up for anything in quarantine, <laughs> do you? I really hope that you let it get to the point. You know, the scenes as you get towards like the end of Forrest Gump and he's got like the full beard when he's gone out on these massive oh. runs. I hope that you, yeah, exactly. you can get you can get to that as well. Get yourself like some just yeah, some dirty overalls and some worn out Nike, whatever they are, and then you can really complete the look. Oh, actually, we better, we better not make... <laughs> exactly. I haven't decided when the when the date to shave it is going to be as well either. I'm thinking maybe because because there's no races or anything on at the moment. Maybe just let it grow and yeah, like I said, end up looking like Forrest Gump or something by the time or. What's it called? Cast away <laughs> by the time it comes to the next race. And then the night before the race, decide what I want to do with it. Like, do I want to go clean shaven? Do I want to race with the massive training beard? Do I want to go with like a mustache or just like something? Figure out something funny to do with it. And then, yeah, just go for it. Stick with the speed stash. And I've just realized, <laughs> uh, I've, and I've also realized that we should send all of our love to Tom Hanks, who is currently suffering with that will which will not be mentioned. No, nah, not anymore. He's he's all good now. He put a he's tweet out oh, this morning. Clear, is he? Okie dokie. Oh, brilliant. Yeah, yeah. Well, well but done. He's telling you to, if you've got it, stay inside. Even if you don't have it, stay inside, people. Well done, Forrest. Right, we are really going off on random tangents that I don't think either of, uh, either <laughs> of us expected. So the pod is in good health. No. Kieran, what, Classic. what are we going to talk about today? Right, so today, because nobody wants to hear any more, we've already spoken too much about them bloody corona stuff nobody wants to hear about that so we are going to talk because there's no new races to talk about we're going to talk about some of the history of running so what we've done is we've just spent the last like pretty much all day really haven't we or all afternoon at least we've been compiling what we think are the top five performances of all time in the distance events we've split it up into top five men top five women we've got a few honorable mentions and what were the rules? The rules were it had to be between 800 meters and the marathon distance. So sprinters and ultra marathoners, and I don't think we're going to have many field eventers listening to this, but sorry, you guys are excluded from this one. Uh, well, we can. Well, that keeps it nicely inside kind of Olympic, Olympic sort of boundaries, Olympic bookends, doesn't it? And then not to take away from those other things because we can do individual pods about those, but I think in terms of distance running, you've got to really you've got to start somewhere haven't you and and certainly some exactly the... and you know what that's that's the area that we know the most about is exactly. the area that i would imagine our listeners are most interested in so yeah why not and there's so many performances out there like i think more than anything what i found out from trying to compile this list is how hard it is to pick just five and it's obvious how hard it is to pick just five because we've got 
including honourable mentions, eight on the women's side. And I can't actually tell from looking that that I think it's probably about 11 on the men's side. So, yeah, we've got some good some good history to talk about. Yeah, so where do you want to start? Well, it is Women's History Month, so I think it would be rude not to go ladies first. Ladies first, uh, that's the... The right way to do it. So, <laughs> so, so, where do, where do you want to start off? I've got our, I've got our notes here, and yep. Uh, do you want to go? Go on. I'll let you start. Go on. Okay. Oh, all right then. So we'll kick it off from way back before women were even allowed to do running in our honourable mentions, and I think this is quite a cool place to start off because it does kind of highlight. Just how, like, we had a little bit of trouble, I think, really coming up with what we felt was a good representative women's list on this because there's so much less history yeah. in women's athletics, specifically distance running as well, for the reasons that we'll talk about in this honorable mention. So, the honorable mention is Catherine Schweitzer. I think that's how you pronounce it. I, I honestly don't know. I've only ever seen it, seen it written down, who, who ran the Boston Marathon in 1967. And she ran it in four hours 20, which in terms of performance, and this is a performance list, and this is the reason why she's an honorable mention, not a top five, is because of the impact that it had on women's sport. So women were not allowed to compete in the marathon until 1972. Do you know why that is without checking your notes? Well, I think I heard it once that they basically said that you'd die. I think specifically, (laughs) I think... Yeah, I mean, you're, you're not far off, so... I think... What it was that these, and this is up until the seventies that people thought that is they thought that women's ovaries would fall out. Yeah, do you know what? I'd I'd heard something along the lines of they thought <laughs> they thought their ovaries would explode. They thought um, and their ovaries would fall out. Yeah, they thought their insides would explode. They thought they'd just collapse and die. Like <laughs> they're still they're still human beings. Like they're just women. <laughs> it's, it's not it's, it's not that different to a man running a marathon. Yeah, so women were not allowed to run the marathon for health reasons until 1972. But in 67, Catherine Schweizer entered the Boston Marathon. She entered only using her initials to get in, so they obviously obviously she slipped under the radar cuz her entry was just KS. So she got into Boston while she was running the race. Apparently there was a ton of attempts to remove her from the course cuz they were thinking, "Oh no, like this woman is banditing the Boston Marathon like she's trying to run a marathon she's going to die if she does this let's get her (laughs) off the course but she managed to kind of bat them off there's a picture out there that I saw when I was kind of compiling a bit of info for this of her with about 10 blokes chasing after her one of them's like grabbing onto her and she's giving him a good elbow in the sternum um so that was great to see I think I mean that's a huge yeah hugely honorable mention to Catherine Swizer for really kicking off you know, women actually being accepted as performance athletes by the idiot misogynistic men of the seventies and sixties. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, her lifetime best in the marathon. She went on to run two hours fifty one thirty seven, which you know it's a significant clip faster than her four twenty. And she also yeah. won the New York City Marathon in seventy four in three oh seven twenty three, where she was actually fifth overall in that race as well. Which, I mean, that's pretty pretty impressive yeah. <laughs> i suppose 
that gives her i suppose she won the women's division of the boston marathon in 67 as well because you know she was the only one that did it exactly and and the thing is is it's sometimes it can be hard to measure the direct impact of that on champions that come through later i doubt you'll find many people that go ah I watched that person who directly inspired me to go and do that. But like you say, if it was enough of a catalyst mm. to make people at the time turn around and say, well, hang on a moment, she did it and she finished. And then that means anyone can do it. Exactly. And, and now obviously it, it it's moments like that that create those legacies that actually help push the sport forward. So that's what's really important. Absolutely. And had she not done that, had she not done that in 67, it may have been significantly longer until we saw women actually being, you know, officially allowed to compete in the marathon. So, yeah, who knows? You know, I think it's in terms of a performance pushing a sport onto kind of another level. I think that she definitely deserves the the honorable mention there. Agreed. I can see next on your list in terms of honourable mentions, and we'll rattle through them because I don't want to be talk as, as fascinating as all of this is. We do actually have lists to go through as well. Um, <laughs> yeah, we have a whole top five after all of these. I know, amazing. Um, the next one that we've got on the list is is Kelly Holmes in Athens in 2004. Now, I want to take the reins on this and saying that the Athens Olympics, I only really have vague memories of. Uh, I think specifically, I remember I was on holiday with my family. Don't ask me where, but I remember being in this like cottage or wherever we Not was. Athens, was it? Sorry? No, it definitely not was. Not Athens, was it? No, it was not in Athens. Um, but it was, we were in some cottage somewhere. I remember having the Olympics on the television and, and sort of some of these names are ones that I remember. Um, and Kelly Holmes is one that stuck with me. And I remember there's that amazing picture of her as she sort of goes across the line. Because that was, a, am I right? Yeah, Thinking I know the, the one you mean. Oh, was it like the 800? Yeah, yeah, where it was really so close. Fierce. It was like really yeah. it was close. Yeah. And she's got, she's got kind of like those eyes, like say wider why does she goes across the line and that was that's one of those mm. images that sort of stuck with me so that's why i think i probably <laughs> mentioned mentioned it to you earlier just from one of those performances that sticks in my memory as one of my earliest olympic memories yeah definitely i think in terms of a performance on like a global scale i think we have quite a lot of bias towards that because kelly is obviously british and she's you know, I think she's the only woman to have ever done the 800 and 1500 meter double at the Olympics to yeah. win double gold in that. Uh, or the only female to have done. I know Peter Snell at least has done it on the men's side, maybe somebody else as well. But yeah, she's the only woman to have ever done that. And she's British. So it really does stick in our minds. I think, yeah, if you ask pretty much any British distance runner or middle distance runner, like what is, yeah, what stands out to you as an iconic moment in British distance running history, that's say probably you know nine times out of ten people would say kelly holmes yeah so it gets her on it gets her on the honorable mentions but i think we do have five performances here on the on the proper list that are as a performance as kind of a global you know you just stand back and say wow yeah and that's i think they they do kind of knock knock her down a little bit out of the top five yeah well go on then what's 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 next well, I'd quite like you, you to try. I'd quite like you to try and pronounce the name of our final honourable mention because I don't know if I can. If I'm completely honest. Oh God, you put me on the spot there. <laughs> I know I have. I, I could probably have the first, the one. first, the first half of uh, the the name Ababel, I'd say. Ababel, yeah, and then I. Yeshena. Yeshena, yeah. Ababel Yashina. If you if you just dedicate and just flow with it, do you know what? Funnily enough, I was yeah, yeah. I was listening to something about uh, one of my favourite podcasters who um, runs the athletics for the BBC as well as incidentally he's the uh, BBC boxing correspondent who I've spoken to you about, Mike Costello, and he said when you yep. get, I was watching an interview and he said when you get all these names with athletes you're not sure about, it just goes 
decide on the pronunciation and stick with it and just go for it. So <laughs> just do it confidently. So it's Ababel Yashena. There, there you go. go. And her, she's on the honorable mentions list because she recently in February at the Rack Half Marathon ran the women's half marathon world record in 64.31, which incidentally is the exact same time as my PB from the Manchester half marathon right. uh, in 2018. So there we go. I'm <laughs> I'd get chicks literally on the line. She'd probably dip me um, or maybe I'd dip her. Who knows? But yeah, there's that. We're not going to talk about shoes. Shoes are the reason why it's an honorable mention. It's not in the top five. And we're going to move on to the top five straight away after that. And ironically, in fifth place is the woman that she actually beat into second place in that race. That was a good segue. That was a good segue. Yeah, it was. Thank you. (laughs) Yeah. So Koskai, yeah, Koskai at Rack ran... 6449 so you know she was a good 18 seconds behind behind Yashena we're sticking with that <laughs> but Koskai has run 6429 at the Great North Run in September 2019 which is an unofficial world best the reason that's the world best not the world record for those who don't know the Great North Run is a net downhill course and i think it's also point to point it is yeah which it's yeah which means it's not eligible for official world records but that is the fastest a female has covered a half marathon to my knowledge yeah but that's not why she gets fifth place in our rankings she gets fifth place in our rankings because of her marathon exploits now cost guy at chicago in 2019 absolutely battered what we thought was an unbeatable world record and sam has something to say about it yeah of course i do always now that was importantly i mean that was a very very important weekend for marathon running given what had been done about 30 hours earlier on the men's side and on the Mm, historical which we'll talk about later naturally so that was it but like you say that record that she took down um was one that i remember you and i specifically having discussed on a couple of occasions about saying it's unbeatable it's this that because it was something like two minutes quicker than any other race that yeah. any other women's marathon had ever been. And then for Costco to come out and she beat that record by what, like a minute or like a minute 10 or something. It was a, it was a massive It jump. was one minute, 21 seconds. I mean, that's unbelievable. But she it? took off of the previous world record. It's, I mean, it's ridiculous. We haven't actually stated what it was yet. It was 2.14.04 in the 2019 Chicago marathon. Now, yeah, like you say, like the old world record was so much better than everything else. It took Koskai running a four minute PB to uh, get the world record. That's astonishing. Or to get that it? time. Four minutes. And it's <laughs> just insane. I mean, who runs a four minute personal best in the marathon? Especially like, at yes, that level, fair enough. Yeah. Going from at, that's what I was about to say is at that level, it's so different. I mean, the amount of people that go from, yeah, I've run a 440 marathon to, oh, now three years later, I've run sub four. But yeah, to go from 218 to 214, that's an astronomical jump, especially. And you see it, you do see it on the men's side. But again, it's because the relative speeds in terms of what's possible for a human being, a male human being, can go much, much faster than 214. No female human being has ever gone faster than 214. So that jump is much more significant for, you know, for a female to make that jump than a male. I think the other thing that makes it so significant and interesting as well, though, is the fact that Coscard had such a strong season. And to be fair, it's, I don't know if it's fair to say she's come out of nowhere, but she certainly burst onto the scene and just started winning everything recently. 
Yeah, well, I mean, I was looking, I was doing a little bit of um, history and digging on Koska, and yeah, it wasn't really until 2017 when she was, when she really kind of jumped, yeah, like you say, out of nowhere and started running in the 220s and the 2-teens. And how, and now how she's old is one, she as well? now she's won London, and she's, do you know what, I actually have no idea, I, I could do a quick Google yeah, for you. I mean, my, my, the only reason I say that is I, is I say it because I, I don't think that she's particularly old, and and obviously, given the sort of performances that people tend to yeah, put Yeah, she's in, our age. Yeah, so you consider what that means, as most marathoners tend to obviously build such a strong foundation for years and years and years outside of such a long distance. And then for mm. her to then come in and start performing so strongly has to be one of those factors. Whether you like it, you know, whether you like a performance because of things like the shoes and maybe other, other factors that some people don't necessarily like, um, you, you can't you can't take that away from her that it's that the courageousness you have to have to be so young commit yourself to such a distance like the marathon and all the work it put takes well together. she's actually she's been running marathons since 2015 so her first her first marathon that was what now five years ago she's 26 now so she's been she's been running marathons since she was 21 years old that debut marathon by the way she won the porto marathon in two hours 47 so she's gone from a 247 debut to a 214. It was only as recently as 2017. Her PB was 224. Wow, wow. And she's knocked 10 minutes off of that, which came from coming second at the Lisbon Marathon. I've got all of her stats up here now. <laughs> so here's what I think is the most interesting, though, is she's run Chicago in 2017, 18, and 19. In 2017, she finished second in 2022. Mm. 2018, she won in 218.35. In 2019, she won again in 214.06. Following that pattern, if 2020 Chicago goes ahead, we can expect Koskai to run about 206. (laughs) (laughs) Well, so there we go. You heard it here first, guys. If somebody comes back and tells you one day that the women's world record has just been absolutely taken apart, don't say that Kieran didn't give you a heads up and you didn't have the opportunity. Don't say, to don't put your say money I down. didn't call it the cost guy two hundred six Chicago twenty twenty. If it doesn't, <laughs> if it doesn't go ahead, that is the only reason why cost guy doesn't run two hundred six this year. <laughs> She's coughing away too much. Oh, God. Right. Yeah, there we go. Go on. So, okay, so, so let's let's move on. The Where... elephant in the room with this record is obviously the shoes, isn't it? And yeah. we've spoken and en- we've spoken enough about them. Like it's almost as boring as coronavirus at this point. If you want to hear us going on about how much the shoes impact your performance, just go listen to our other podcast on the shoes. Like we did an entire what was it like an hour and a half or yeah, so it was a long us time. just focusing on those. Yeah. So. Go listen to that if you if you're really interested, and we are going to move on to number four on the women's list. Now I'm not again. You've thrown me on the spot here because I feel like I should read out the name, and I can do Beatrice. I can do the first part. Chep Chep oh, Coach. Yeah, Beatrice yeah. Chep Coach. There we go. <laughs> I, I thought you would have known that you, one. Actually, the thing is, so you have a the... lot more practice reading out these names than I do. I I read these names out pretty much exclusively <laughs> because I'm friends with you. Yeah, this is true. I dare say I probably hear them quite a lot more as well, exactly. watching races on the Diamond League circuit and things like that. So Beatrice Chepkowicz, for those of those, for those of our listeners who don't know, is the three thousand meter steeplechase world record holder. She ran eight forty four for the steeple in the Monaco Diamond League in two thousand nineteen, and like eight forty four for the steeple, I think is a time that if you told somebody as recently as about 
five or six years ago that a woman had run 844 in the steeplechase, they'd have been like, what? See, I don't don't know if it really has... uh, Yeah, I don't know how much weight it really holds for you, but 844, I'll try and convert it into a 5K kind of time so it would make a little bit more sense. 844, I think, is roughly about 1435 5K pace. Oh, damn. Which... Yeah, so think about a fourteen thirty five park run, for example. Yeah, which is always kind of the easiest way to compare for for somebody who doesn't really quite, you know, know the the impact of these times. And then you've got barriers to negotiate as well. You've got, I think it's, I I don't want to guess how many barriers there are in a female steeplechase race, but you know, you've got barriers. There's a water jump once every lap as well. I think seven, six or seven water jumps. Yeah, and it's just so to run that pace with those obstacles is just absolutely mind blowing. And the thing is with that as well is to be able to carry that on. And I know not so much from ever having run a steeplechase. I think I'd break my ankles if I tried to do that. Um, but cer- <laughs> cer- both. certainly from doing like obstacle course races and like the Spartan races and things, which have that element of you've got to stop to think about doing something else. So you've got to have something else in mind as well. The big thing that makes mm. that so impressive is is it's the, almost the mental exhaustion of you've just got to know how you're going to time things. You've got to know when it's going to come out, especially if you're in a congested race as well, where you've got somebody who's run alongside oh, you. Tr- there was never anybody anyone near, anywhere near her in that race. Mm-hmm. I should have made you watch the video before this. <laughs> she had a pacemaker through. She had a pacemaker through one k. They went through the k in about two fifty five. She actually ran very even pace for this. I think she went 255, 254, 255 for her three 1K oh, wow. splits. Um, yeah, she had a pacemaker through a K. The pacemaker dropped out and probably fell on the floor exhausted. Yeah. And Chebkoic just went on. And yeah, there was never anybody anywhere near her. So she didn't really have... To, I don't remember whether she lapped anyone or not. I'd be surprised if she did, even at that kind of speed. Yeah. Um, not in a Diamond League race. But yeah, no, there was never anybody anywhere near her um she ran it at monaco which the monaco track is famed for being a very 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 fast track the men's 1500 meters pretty much every year at monaco somebody runs something ridiculous that's where mo farah ran his 328 which was a european record at the time i can't remember if it still was and as recently as this year charlie grice ran 330 there to run faster than steve ovet did in the 80s Uh, so like monaco is a crazy fast track which kind of justifies it a little bit, but I don't know how much it really justifies just how quick that is. Like 8.44 is ridiculous. And I'm going to chuck like a couple of other bits at you as well. (laughs) And we'll see how you kind of react to that. So first of all, watching the video, she ran, like I said, from the front and she never really looked tired. And I'm going to talk here about the cloud of suspicion that kind of is floating over this record and why it was, I almost didn't want to put it in because of this, but it's such an outstanding record that I think it would be kind of remiss of us not to include it. Okay. That's fair. So she ran from the front and she never really looked tired, which is a red flag in distance races. Yeah. Like, especially when you're going after a world record and you're re- like, you're gunning for it from the gun. You'd expect there to be at some point during the race, there'd be a fall off in pace or, kind of a wobble in the way they look or the way their kind of form is or their focus or something. You'd, you'd expect there to be something, but there was literally no weakness. It looked like she could have gone, you know, five seconds quicker, yeah. maybe even maybe even quicker than that. 
And with all of that in mind, the world record that she broke was 8.52 by Ruth Jabet. So not only did she take, what is that, eight seconds? Eight seconds out of the record. Ruth Jabet has now since been convicted of doping. She's now she's currently serving a four-year ban for EPO. Oh, wow. Oh, damn. So she absolutely took apart, yeah, she absolutely took apart a record that was run by an athlete that was absolutely smashing EPO. <laughs> and that just, like, it's, do you know what I mean? Like, that to me, that puts a huge cloud of suspicion over that record. And that's okay. why I almost didn't want to put it in. Okay, but, you know, innocent until proven guilty, right? Exactly. So maybe if we come back to this pod in a year and we go, strike it off, we'll fill it in with some, something else. <laughs> <laughs> we'll fill exactly. it, we'll fill yeah, it we'll with Bridget Koskai's 206. <laughs> <laughs> yeah there we go well that would probably jump its way to number one if she manages that no we'll put um <laughs> if we're excluding chep coach then i think we'd probably bump kelly holmes into the list yeah, to be yeah. honest so why not but yeah, it's, yeah that's something you've you've set me a task there which is to learn something about steeplechasing because i honestly don't know a huge amount um but i mm. will watch a few races later and i'll probably come back to you and go damn that really was impressive <laughs> okay so we'll move on to number three then and this is one that I did send you a video to watch, but I don't know if you did or not. And that is Almas Ayana's 10,000 meter world record at the Rio Olympics in 2016, where she ran 29.17 for the 10K. Did you watch that one? Yeah, uh, I watched sort of weirdly. It was on one of these like Olympic highlight things. So it was like a 2016 highlights thing that I watched. So I probably only saw about mm. the last lap of it. But yeah, it was quite, inc- <laughs> it was quite incredible. Like just the, like you say, the way that she was just flowing past people, it was unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Well, so like, a brief kind of recap of the race, because I wrote down a couple of things that stood out to me when rewatching it, because that was probably, to be honest, the first time I've seen it since the 2016 Olympics, since kind of watching it live. And it did really stay with me. And when I think of iconic women's performances, especially within the last few years in athletics, this is the one that really jumps to me because she was so dominant and so just ran with so much strength and confidence. So first of all, we'll mention that she beat the old world record of 29.31 by 14 seconds, which on the track, even over 10,000 meters, that is a large margin to get under the old world record. Mm -hmm. Most world records are generally beaten by, you know, like one or two seconds or even one or two tenths. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So to go and take that much of a margin off is quite staggering. Exactly. So 29.17 is an average of just over 70 seconds per lap, right? The way that Ayana ran this race is with 12 laps to go, she absolutely took off. <laughs> like, I can't explain how much she just took off. She ran a 66 Jeez. for her, whatever it would be, for her 90, no. Jeez, I can't, for her 13th lap. Basically, she ran a... <laughs> She smashed it with 12 laps to go. She ran a 66. Just absolutely took off on everybody. Dropping it by... like That's four seconds quicker than the average pace that she ran. Generally, the best way to run a 10,000 meters is to run as close to your average pace on each lap as possible. Ayanna just thought, nah, do you know what? I'm just going to drop a 66. And just absolutely ran away from the field from that point. And she was running away from some absolute legends in women's 10,000 meter running, like the likes of like Chirinesh Dababa, for example. And yeah, she just destroyed them with this 66 lap in the middle of the race and just carried on going. So to put into context some of her splits as well, she was 14.46 through 5K, which park runners will know how fast that is. Yeah. 
but that's only 29.32 pace. So the fact that she ended up with a 29.17 means that she ran an absolutely massive negative split and ran a 14.31 second 5K, which is actually quicker. That's It's actually quicker than my park run PB of 14.32. Granted, I've run 13.53 on the track, but that's still ridiculous. A huge negative split in a world record. Yeah, and to pull to pull that off in the Olympic Games as well, you know, pressure pressures on people are watching on the you biggest to, stage of all to have exactly. the to have the again, it's 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 the courage, isn't it? That's the thing that makes it is just to have the courage to go out and just drop the hammer and just say, "Let's go, let's go." I'm feeling <laughs> yeah. good, and that's what's I mean, the, that is that's backing yourself to like the nth degree, isn't think, it? <laughs> things things the things you love to see, I think, is your phrase, isn't it? Is somebody who just decides. <laughs> oh, decides you do love to see day. a sixty-six in the middle of a women's ten k. Absolutely, you love to see it. A sixty-six that would drop like some of the better men in, you know, not even this country, even probably in Europe, would drop some of the best, you know, male ten thousand meter runners. So I that's was... the extent to which like she is running well here, like twenty-nine seventeen. I. You'd probably just about miss getting into the A race at the Highgate Night at 10,000 meter PVs, which also doubles up as the European Cup Championship. <laughs> She'd probably either just scrape in or just miss out on getting into the A race in that with the 2917. Wow. And that's competing against the best men in Europe. Yeah, that's astounding. Uh, something that I'd like to know as well. What's your opinion on, on this? When you're feeling good, right, pre-race, so you're in the Olympics, big stage, gold, gold medals at the uh, you know are, are available if you have a good race. You know, do you go out and you just roll with it and you just go right? I'm just going to play it patiently, or do you go out and you just go, Joe? You know what I reckon, I can really give it a crack. Do you reckon when she was in the changing room and getting warmed up and all those things that you do before the race, do you think she had an inkling of it, or do you think she just felt great and she just went for it? Do you reckon? Do you reckon she had that race plan and she knew that she was in world record territory, or do you reckon she just said, "I'm just going to go do or die"? Do you know what I reckon? I don't think she knew how far she. I don't think she actually knew exactly how far she was running. I think she was just running. I reckon she was just going for it. So Ayana is Ethiopian, and generally, from my perception and from what I've heard about East African runners, is they don't. They do have a plan, but they don't really care about time. Like time doesn't even really exist for these guys. It's like it's more you know the, if you say oh let's meet at 9 a.m for yeah exactly even just if you say let's meet at 9 a.m for a run you know people will be filtering in at 9 15 9 20 people might even show up as late as like 9 55 and eventually you'll get going amazing it's that sounds like a good yeah sounds like, like a good it, cultural society to be fair doesn't it just throw your, throw your <laughs> yeah, watch exactly. away and just turn up when you like there's a good there's a good scene exactly in, Good scene in Lord of the Rings about that, isn't he? Where he says, you're late. And Gandalf turns around and says, a wizard is never late, nor is he early. He arrives exactly when he means to. <laughs> I've actually, I don't think you know this about me, but I've never actually seen the Lord of the Rings. Well, good news for you, mate. You're trapped inside for the next month and a half. So. <laughs> 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 it's, not, it's not through lack of trying. I don't know what it is. It's, it's never gripped me. It's been about... I reckon it's probably been about eight or nine years since I last tried to watch it, so maybe I'll give it another go. Well, mercifully for you, that scene is right at the start of the first film, so you can watch that and then... Oh, fantastic. I might have even seen that one. There you go. Right, we're (laughs) we're rambling. Let's not get too carried. Yeah, we won't get too... Fortunately, you didn't go with Star Wars, so I can't go off on too much of a tangent. (laughs) If it was Star Wars, we'd be here all day. So, 
Yep, there we go. Ayana, the last thing we can really mention about that is that was also only her second ever 10,000 meter race, which just makes it even more impressive. Yeah. Now, let's move on to number two. Number two, our top two are both marathons. And number two, I think, is it's in that place. It's another one similar to um, similar to Catherine Schweizer, where it's not the performance necessarily, but it's what the performance means that's elevated it to this level. Yeah. And that's Joan Benoit winning the 1984 Olympic marathon. Now, her time, 2.24.52, like, that's good. Like, that's still a very good time. That would be one of the, it might even be the fastest time in Britain, I think, from, from 2019. I can't remember exactly what Jess Piersaki ran. Don't ask it was me somewhere around yeah. two twenty five or so. Yeah. No, yeah, exactly. But it was the fact that so I mean there were so many significant things about this. First of all, it was a home Olymp- home Olympics for Joan. It was at the LA Olympics in nineteen eighty four. And more significantly, this was the first ever women's Olympic marathon. That's something that I think is so important to mention because mm. you take that date, nineteen eighty four, like that's not you like you think that about how it's not a long time ago, no is it? not at all like when you consider that's only 10 years before you and i were born that's yeah that's what makes it sound so <laughs> i mean it just it almost sounds and i know the word draconian has been thrown around a lot given circumstance this week <laughs> but it almost does sound draconian doesn't it no 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 you can't do that you can't run that place. no yeah so that's absolutely that's what's no so I, I think you're you've you've literally nailed it there like it just it beggars belief that they didn't have women in the Olympic marathon. They didn't have a women's Olympic marathon until 1984. Like, think about the things that they had in 1984. Think about what men were able to... Men were able to walk on the moon before women were able to run the Olympic marathon. How ridiculous is that? And by quite a margin as well. Like, you probably... I don't know when the last Apollo mission was, but yeah, you probably had... A dozen, you probably had, a, yeah, all twelve people had probably walked on the moon by then. Before, <laughs> there you go. That's I'll, yeah, and that I'll... was that was apparently deemed safer than a female being allowed to run a marathon. <laughs> Absolutely amazing, amazing, ridiculous. I'm sure we'll get some conspiracy theorists now coming at us with the about the moon landing and stuff. Oh God, I hope but... not. <laughs> well, I kind of hope we, I hope we do. It'll be interesting to, leave, to hear what they have to say. Leave, leave your unrelated sport comments in the. Uh... In the section, well, no, what was I saying? I was going to say, leave your unrelated moon landing comments in all of our uh, sec- comment sections and rating sections. And if you have any more disagreements with us, feel free to. Oh, God, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, if you, th- <laughs> if you think the moon landing was fake, still give us five stars on iTunes. <laughs> Please, yeah. And if you think lizard, okay, so think lizard move- people are real as well, why don't you throw that in there too? Yeah, yeah, sure, why not? Any conspiracy theories, throw them at us. Um, but let's move back to Joan Benoit because she is more interesting than conspiracy theories to our listeners, I Agreed. think. Agreed. Uh, <laughs> so going into this race, it was her kind of fulfilling almost like the prophecy of her career. She was the world record holder and she was unbeaten in the marathon the last three years leading into this race. So as well as being... You know, it being a home Olympic Games for the American Joan Benoit in, in L.A. And her being the favorite. Like, it's just I think it's really good that she was. It's just cool that she was able to deliver on that day because a lot of people would have kind of choked under pressure. And and especially when you go back and you look at the conditions of that race as well, they were not favorable, nice conditions. It was. Horrible. No, they were not. It was OK, so sticky. that's that's a good little segue into our um 
our honourable mention within this race, <laughs> and that is, I'm going to. It's the pronunciation game again. Gabriella Anderson Schweiss, I think, is the way you say it. I think you that. Finished. I think. I think I nailed it as well, to be honest. And anyone who thinks otherwise can stop listening immediately. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Gabriella Gabriella Anderson Schweiss from Switzerland, who basically almost tongue in cheek proved the guys wrong. Proved the guys right and nearly died coming onto the track like there's a video of it out there and anyone who doesn't know what we're talking about bang it into youtube search for gabriel anderson twice good luck on the spelling and like it's just it's hard to watch but it also just really captures kind of the spirit of the olympics and of her just hobbling around the track with severe dehydration this is it and the fact that she sort of resisted the marshals running onto the track to help her and things like that it's it's Mm. one of those ones where you sort of you almost cringe but at the same time how you were talking about it being a a homecoming for the the winner of the race you've got to look at this as almost it's a homecoming for you know, a, almost like a collective mid- women's middle finger to what was previously thought about, you know, like say a woman might Exactly, die. and I think Just... I think that's what this marathon more than anything really represents. And I think that's what kind of makes this worth mentioning and makes it significant is like she was being offered help, ironically, from male officials yeah. to try and get her across the line. But she wanted to finish the first ever women's Olympic marathon by herself. Had she accepted that help, she would have been disqualified as is I think it's kind of a stupid rule that like if you have to lean on somebody to walk across the line, you get DQ'd, but that is the rule and that's the rule that was in place. So, so she staggered around. I think it said it took her over five minutes yeah. to complete that last 400 meters, Yeah, which, it, yeah, I mean, she wouldn't have been running too far outside five minutes per mile until that point. Exactly. But it just, it shows, like you say, in terms of, obviously in terms of a performance from a winning performance and a, you know a, a good day performance which we all like to have and we all like to watch and see and, and talk about it's the other end of that per- performance it's, it's when you've got the pressure on and the heat is literally on and everything else is is there <laughs> it's just showing that pure grit and determination which separates elite athletes from quote unquote normal people exactly no exactly and so moving away from you know courageous performances where I, with all due respect, Anderson Schweiss finished 37th out of about 44. So it wasn't a high performance, but she, she makes the list because of the, the kind of significance and because it was just happened to be in the same marathon that Joan Benoit won. We're moving to our number one, our best women's athletic performance of all time. Should we have a drum roll? Hopefully that actually comes through on the recording. It's Paula Radcliffe. I mean, who else was it ever going to be? Uh, Paula Radcliffe, two fifteen twenty five, London Marathon, two thousand and three. What? I well, this is something that I, I've said this before. It it holds enormous value for me is because it was a race that my dad admittedly ran two hours behind in but it's one of those races (laughs) that is always stuck with me because of my dad coming back and you know he's got his finishers medal at home and things like that so I've always taken an interest in that year but to to know that that was so special I, I mean I knew that there was a world record set but it's only as I started to really get into running I've gone back and rewatched it and seen exactly what she did and to just to, to just show the world that a world record, you know, because that world record that she had previously set was still around the time that most people were hovering right the way up until like 20, 
yeah, right the way up until these shoes have sort of come in and started helping a lot of people go faster. Yeah. You know, well, um, do you know? They were should I tell you where? Should I tell you when that would have been? That would have been the men's world record up until 1958. Yeah, that's incredible, isn't it? Isn't that incredible? <laughs> that's that's ridiculous. The world record, not just like pretty good for a bloke like that time is still very good for a guy exactly right and i don't want i don't want to keep i don't want to focus too much on kind of how that relates to male performance because i think it kind of it lowers it a li- it kind of lowers the it just lowers it a little bit it's, i just don't think that's what we should be talking about but that would have ranked her in britain 13th for males last year in 2019 yeah. and that's in the era with bouncy shoes i mean if we go to 2006 is the the furthest back ranking that I can get. It's probably going to take a minute to load, but I would imagine she'll be within the top five. Oh, 100%. and there she is. She would she'd have been fifth. That would have ranked her fifth in 2006. Isn't that incredible? Isn't that incredible? So... I mean, that's insane. Like, and the only reason that I compare it to male times is that's the only way that we can draw con that we can draw kind of comparison because other than cost guys running bouncy shoes. There's no comparison to any other women ever. Well, here you go. Here's and that's why she's number one. He, well, here's something that you could look at at it. And, and for, to understand the significance of this marathon that she ran, this 215, you need to know that the previous record that she set was 217 something. Mm. So at the, I don't know exactly what it was, but you know, you're talking best part of two minutes two minutes. Yeah. Now, two minutes. It's insane. Well, when, you know, when, uh, Kipchoge obviously set the men's record, which is something I dare say will crop up. Yeah, foreshadowing. Um, but <laughs> maybe you know, we were we were all aghast at the fact that sh- he ran a minute faster than the old world record. So so to then show that she had tried to have done it, yeah, like you say, nearly two minutes quicker is is just pretty outrageous. And, and and the thing is as well for it, to, and I don't want to get into a whole kind of you know, stereotypical thing, but the fact that it wasn't what we're so familiar to seeing now, which is East African runners going out and just sweeping the podium. You know, it wasn't that it was somebody on home turf as well in London. Mm. You know, again, all those things we talked about with the previous records is about pressure being on, on the day and just absolutely nailing the opportunity to go out and make history. That's why it has to go to the top. It's why it has to. Absolutely. And that record, it lasted 16 years before it was broken by Koskai. And she's the only one that's really gotten anywhere near anywhere near that. Yeah, yeah. Well, and we ca- we have to mention the shoes. Like, if Paula Radcliffe had been in the shoes on that day, who knows what she'd have run? Two twelve? Like, Jesus, who knows? And had Costco not been in the shoes in Chicago, again, who knows what she would have run? It could have been a two sixteen, two seventeen, maybe even as slow as two eighteen or nineteen. Who knows? Who knows? I say slow in relative terms there versus a two fourteen versus two fifteen. <laughs> um we can also note as well that it was done with male pacemakers but as was cost guys run so that makes them somewhat comparable the 217 that she'd run i think was not in a mixed race i think that was in a women's only race um yeah that 2003 that 215 she had company literally the entire race yeah she did she had company with her like there's i mean we've all seen the video of her running down the mall with her head bobbing up and down and there's a bloke running with her shouting at her um, which i mean it's it's quite cool to see like it's everyone's clear excitement for just how special that moment is agreed but yeah that's i mean that's that's our women's list that's our number one Paul radcliffe we'll just go through it quickly again so 
In fifth place, we had Bridget Koskai with the marathon world record of 214.04. In fourth, it was Beatrice Chepkoic of Kenya with the 3,000-meter steeplechase world record, 8.44. Third place, Almaz Ayana of Ethiopia with the 10,000-meter world record in 2019-17 at the Rio 2016 Olympics. In second, it's Joan Benoit, who won the first ever women's Olympic marathon in LA in 1984 with a 2.24.52. And number one, Britain's very own Paula Radcliffe, running a 2.15.25 marathon world record at the time in London in 2003. Amazing. And that is your women's top five performances of all time, according to me and Sam. <laughs> <laughs> and that's one. That's something that we haven't actually... We probably should have disclaimed this at the start is this is all just our opinion this is the opinion of two blokes and if we've missed something or if we've got something wrong or you think something deserves to be you know in different orders reach out like comment or you know dm us or email or whatever it is you want to do you know you're in isolation so you've got nothing else to do exactly reach out to us because we I don't know about you, but I love having these discussions and I love these debates. No, it's great. It's great. And and what, it, audience interaction as well is what makes it even better. I love it when, and as I'm sure you do as well, when we get comments on these things, when random people stop us or speak to us or send us a message and say, oh yeah, this this was good and I like that. What about this? It's great. So Yeah, 100%. And you know, I almost love the the criticisms as well when we get somebody say like, oh, actually this was this. And usually it's something constructive as well that we can go away and think oh okay we'll uh we'll think about that differently or oh i didn't know that that's interesting precisely precisely so like i said please don't be afraid to get in touch with us we're not scary and like kieran said <laughs> don't don't lie to us or yourself you've not got anything else to be doing because you're supposed to be locked away exactly and <laughs> should we just be a little bit beggy as well with all of this free time that you've got just chuck us a five-star rating it takes seconds oh go on then oh, go <laughs> god on. just just chuck us a five-star rating if you've got a couple <laughs> of minutes on your hands you can even chuck us a comment and be like oh guys great podcast you're really funny and knowledgeable and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> let's not get too right. far into the realms of desperation though <laughs> oh you know just uh just a little bit of self uh self-promotion 